It's time for Cubicle Insanity. Tonight, we're mixing it up a little bit. Normally, Tammy does the intro, but this is Kim. And tonight, I have a special guest to talk with a little bit about that which we love, corporate America. Well, you know, really any what we talk about applies to any organization, government agencies, nonprofits, you know, wherever else you might work. Our podcast is a discussion about the real insanity from the cubicles in the workplace, from leadership and leaders to experiences with life in the cubicles. Before we get into the latest chat about cubicle insanity, for our loyal listeners, Tammy will return. Don't be alarmed. She'll be back. Tonight, she's at the home opener of our favorite basketball team in their brand new arena. So I'll just say go Bucks. <laughs> so it's time to get into our cubicle insanity. So let's get into it. Tonight, it's my honor to introduce Debbie Rudin. Debbie is a colleague, friend, and who someone has who has a very interesting life and career. Debbie has um, a few has had a few career changes, and now is in the latest career change. That's a new chapter in her life, which we'll get into. Can't wait to hear all about it. It's very exciting, and um, so let's um, let's just go right into it. So, Debbie. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for inviting me to be here. Um, I was born and raised in Racine, Wisconsin. Oh, I went cow. to grade school, middle school, which they call it now, and high school with my current husband, but didn't get married until we were 29. So that's a whole another podcast when we <laughs> want to do that one. But my college days then were spent. Um, I started out at University of Wisconsin Parkside took a year off and did what they now call a gap year so that I could earn enough money to go away. Okay. Went to UW-La Crosse, got an undergraduate degree in nuclear medicine technology, which included a one-year internship at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, oh, really? Minnesota. Then I came back uh, after that, started working in a hospital, worked in healthcare for 10 years. At that time, then again, marriage and every kids and everything else, uh, thought about my first career change. And at that point, I had already been going back to school to get my MBA, but realized I was in healthcare. And back in those yeah. days, healthcare didn't think they were a business like they are now. Oh, yeah. So what did you get your MBA in? Did you specialize like in healthcare or finance? Nope. Just the MBA okay. program just at general. Parkside. Yep. Um, and did that while I was working full time. And... Finished up just before I had my second child. Wow, so, busy. Yeah. yeah, one child but, MBA working. Yeah. How okay. did you How did you manage work life balance? Um, I don't honestly know how I did it, Kim. To be honest with you, because my husband and you know Mike was in retail, so that was six mm. days a week, three nights a week. Yeah. Uh, we just made it work because I I think it goes back to and this has kind of been the reflection of my career and life. When you want something, you have to figure out how to do it, right. and that's that. Right. So fortunately, I had a very supportive husband that helped. We may, I went to school at night. Um, it took yeah. me six years, yeah. <laughs> all of the above, but never looked back about doing it. So glad I did because, as it turns out, my last job required an MBA, yeah. or it became very helpful finally to have that. Yeah. So. Yeah, interesting. it's just interesting how it takes you, yeah. Yeah, this past weekend I was in uh, New York City for a long weekend and met up with some friends, and one of the friends was talking about, they were thinking about going back and getting their MBA, mm -hmm. and they're much later in their career, like 
us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, man, I got mine many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other person that was with us, you know, went to graduate school very early in their career as well. And mm-hmm. we were both kind of like, would we have the energy? Do we have the drive to do it now? Would oh. we, you know, if we had to go back. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, I got so much advice about, you don't want to do this, do you? You're a mom, you have small children, you have, you're pregnant, you have one on yeah. the way. What are you thinking? And I can't even imagine trying to do something like that now. They kept yeah. trying to tell me, do it when the kids are in school. That would have never worked, <laughs> never. So I'm very yeah. glad I did it yeah. when I did it, yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. so we get you off track on your on No, your that's MBA, okay, so. my personal life, yes. And then, so from working in nuclear medicine and healthcare, I thought I should really work for a business. And again, networking, which you're going to hear me say a million times in this conversation, networking, networking, networking. Yeah. So I knew somebody who knew somebody, and I had already started working on training and development. But again, at the time, org development, training and development, those kinds of things were not in the business vocabulary. Yeah. But I ended up working for a financial services organization. Again, people told me I was crazy. How could I be going from healthcare? To financial services. But what that was, was career transition, which I know we're going to be talking about throughout this podcast. So I started working for a bank holding company, training and development, got very skilled at facilitation, leading teams, leading other people. It was a whole nother environment, different. So it was a great experience in that regard Mm -hmm. and ended up staying there for 10 years as well. Wow. Let me ask you about uh, facilitating meetings, because that's an art. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I see people do it very poorly, and I see mm-hmm. some do it very well, mm-hmm. especially like large group meetings, like mm-hmm. a training team, you know, mm-hmm. training session or something like that. Mm-hmm. What's the kind of, if you had like a one single tip, if you had a tip, like what's the key to success for doing that? Can I have two? Sure. You can have as many as you want. <laughs> to, to prepare, number one, and number two, to have good relationship development skills. And by that, I'm saying, Kim, that it's about understanding the audience. So many people give a presentation. Let's just call it a presentation. And you, we've all been in those rooms where they read the PowerPoint or they're all yeah. over the place or the PowerPoint flips around. So... The preparation comes from a standpoint of understanding what does the audience need to get out of this? And again, whether that means talking to them ahead of time, finding out who the key stakeholders are and finding out what they need. But the other piece of it then is developing relationships. You, As you go throughout that process, you're not just data dumping or pontificating about any particular subject. You're you're asking questions, you're stopping to take breaks, you're checking for how's the interest. All of those yeah. things are so important. And I think we forget that, A, because sometimes people are really nervous. Sure. And, they, yeah. you know, and uh, so it's it would be really easy for me to say it comes naturally, but it takes a lot of practice, a lot yeah. of preparation, yeah. and you have to not be in fear of tr- giving it a try. Yeah. Okay, so that's for facilitating. Thank you for those tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you also said facilitating and or leading teams. Mm-hmm. So any nuggets there? What I noticed the biggest difference was as I led teams was that it was about, again, 
understanding who those people were as individuals and then working with them to develop them into the best that they can be. So what are the contributions that they're making to the team? Where do they want more help? Where do they want to go? Uh, using when they say everybody has their gifts and talents, it's about looking at that. What are their gifts and talents? And it's not always pleasant. Sometimes you have to take people who are not performing and talk to them about that as well. Yeah. But I always think everybody deserves a chance. That's the soft part of me. Everybody deserves a chance. So you give them the tips and tools. And again, when you're doing a performance review, you have to be very specific. You can't yeah. just say, well, I want you to get better at working with people. That's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Um, do you find it? So you, you've had to have those difficult conversations. Yes. Again, I'll ask any tips. <laughs> like, you know, because most people I find shy away from it. Mm -hmm. Do you find that like giving somebody an example, like where they're not performing other than just saying, Hey, this is what you're missing or not doing. Mm -hmm. Do you find that giving an example clarify, you know, makes it clear and easier for people to understand? Depends on the example. Yeah. So again, the other piece of my career has evolved into coaching. Okay. Coaching individuals. Yeah. And I've coached everyone from a CEO level to mid-management, new manager, all of that. Yeah. And one of the things that we use in terms of coaching is there's three really wonderful coaching techniques that you can use. And one of them is to get a feel for where are they at. So again, assessing the situation. The second is to reframe the picture. So possibly you're going to be getting that person to see it from someone else's point of view, um, getting them to understand what it means to have another. For, so for example, if two departments are in conflict, Kim, mm -hmm. it, and, and they're saying, well, it's purchasing's fault or it's HR's fault, uh, it's about getting them to see, well, what does purchasing need and why might yeah. they be upset about this? So that's another important piece of coaching. Hmm. Third, when we get to what we're talking about, the difficult conversations, yeah. is truth talk. We call it truth talk. And the advice I, I give as well as say is, I'm going to give you some feedback that might not be pleasant for you. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Second uh, thing would be to say, I'm telling you this because I think it's going to help you. Yeah. Are you open to talking yeah. about it? And again, it's not a matter of saying, well, okay, you're not. That's all right. <laughs> it's a matter of saying, okay, well, it's, it's, if it's not now, when can we do it? Because yeah. it depends on the criticality of the subject, sure. right? So yeah. you're going to say, we, this can't wait. We need to talk about it. Or yeah. you're going to say, do you want, this is what I want to talk about. Do you have some time? You want some time to think about yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, good. The example should always be specific. You can't say, I heard this from somebody else. Mm -hmm. You can't say it has to be something you've observed or data that you can show them right. or you're going to go immediately into defensive yeah. mode with the other person who's getting the message. Okay. You agree with that? Yeah, I'm sure. I, absolutely. <laughs> and just for the record, HR is never at fault or in conflict. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we're in conflict. You know, it's, HR is in it's conflict. It's never us. <laughs> you know, no, HR is in conflict a lot mm -hmm. just by the nature of the job. Mm -hmm. um, well, know. and how the perception, you know, right. so much of what we do is in the perception of the observer or the listener. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so financial, then from financial institution, you spent 10 from years. From financial services, 10 Or financial years. services, excuse yes. me. Yes, and then um, we had the opportunity to relocate, so we moved to Florida for two years. Hmm. Um, my husband's background, entrepreneurial business background, and my healthcare background, yeah. we went to Florida and started a rehab retail store and uh, selling equipment. So hmm. high-end wheelchairs, lift chairs, walkers, all of those lovely things. I, it was very successful and so successful that um, we ended up having the opportunity to come back to Wisconsin to start another business. Oh, wow. But again, through all of that, um, well, as wonderful as it was to work with my husband, I just didn't feel comfortable about putting all of our eggs in one basket. Sure. So I said, I'm going to start doing something else. So we mm. came back to Wisconsin, and a friend of mine actually approached me and said, would you be interested in doing career transition, outplacement work? And my first response was, no. <laughs> Why? Why would I want to work with a bunch of unhappy people who just got told their job was eliminated? Yeah. And she said to me at the time, she said, just go talk to so-and-so. Again, wasn't putting two and two together that that was networking because yeah. it was this person who then introduced me to my most recent career, 17 years with that company. Wow. And this was the person that said, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So very grateful for that, yeah. for that, for that push. Yeah. So, yeah, so 17 years at uh, outplacement, mm -hmm. career coaching, and that's actually how we met and mm -hmm. became friends. Mm -hmm. You were actually, uh, you know, I was displaced from a, from a role, and uh, I went strolling into your organization, and there so you were. Tell me what your first thoughts were. So I just thought it was a bunch of hoo-ha, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I appreciate that honesty. <laughs> um and I thought, now what could these po people possibly be able to tell me that I don't already know? I mean, it was my ego in the way. Well, an um, HR. Yep. And and having been in HR at that time, early part of my HR career. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd spent like the first 15 years of my career in operations, and then I'd moved into HR. So I didn't have a lot of years on my resume as HR. So when companies looked at me, they were like, well, what what's kind of this person about? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, when I walk through those doors, you know, you're very warm and welcoming and, you know, <laughs> cheerful. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what am I getting myself into? I mean, it was... I remember that, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably your worst client. No. <laughs> you're probably thinking, I can honestly oh. tell you I've had worse. <laughs> you're probably thinking, oh, this is a train wreck. Wait, yeah. um, but in the... So I will say... In the end, it was, as a person going through the outplacement, it's absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. But a person like you with the skills and the gifts that you have to help people through that is phenomenal. Thank you. And I think, you know, looking at the people that I, you know, were, was there at the same time I was, I think we all kind of think the same thing. We probably wouldn't have made it through without you. Oh, wonderful to hear. But here's the bottom line. A couple things you made key points. Number one, no one's ever going to understand what it means yeah. to have anything happen in life, whatever right. it is. And this is an out-of-body experience when you're told your job has been eliminated. Whether you know or you don't know it's coming. Right. We still 
don't think it's going to happen to us. And when it does, it's an out-of-body experience. I always say it's like when you watch the old Snoopy cartoons and remember Charlie Brown's mom would talk and all you would hear was wah, 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 yes. wah. That's what you're hearing, right? That's exactly At what that moment hearing. in time. Yeah. So people come to us and I say, number one, they're having an out-of-body experience. Number two, they are now experiencing what it feels like to be in that person's shoes. Yeah. They don't know until they're in them. Right. It's an emotional roller coaster. So yeah. you're going to feel one minute like you're angry, the next minute you're relieved because you just got rid of the boss you couldn't stand or a job you didn't like. Uh, the next minute you're sad because we miss the people more than we do the place. Yeah. Right? That saying about that we leave a manager, we don't right. leave the company. Very true. Yeah. So it's an emotional roller coaster. And what I realized early on was that the person who walks through that door, meaning the door of our offices, the person who walks through that door is not the same person that's going to be leaving. That's very true. And then Uh, it's about recognizing, again, what are their needs? Where are they at? So the first thing that I always want to talk to them about is where are you at emotionally? And I try to give them comfort by saying, I get it. It's an emotional roller coaster. I too was restructured. So I understand that piece of it so that people feel comfortable right away. That's key. Because number one, who wants to talk about losing their job? Right. And number two, now you're going to some outplacement place and you don't even know who's there or what they're going to offer you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Um, you, you don't know what to expect in, in because you haven't ever been through that. Mm-hmm. And Quite frankly, a lot of times when you're impacted, you don't get that benefit mm-hmm. to go to an outplacement. You're just kind of on your own. So true. And, um, you know, I didn't know anybody who had had experience with outplacement until I actually went through it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know really what to expect. Mm-hmm. And when you're on your own, to that yeah. point, Kim, when you're on your own, you don't learn. There's so many tips and techniques and strategies that are underneath the tip of the iceberg as they say yeah so much of that and so much of that is going on behind the scenes and people aren't aware i can't tell you how many people i've had that come from hr that come from uh management roles that come from top level executive roles who say i had no idea yeah that this was what i needed to do yeah and so many of us have been in the same company for so long right we didn't think this was going to happen yeah and we don't know what to do. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, from an HR chair, you can coach everybody. Right. But when it comes to you, it's like, mm, you get a little bit of that uh, paralysis. Right. Like, well, what do I do? So, well, and here's the other thing everybody wants to take the path of least resistance, right? Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So, they're going to start looking at what do we do? In back in the day, there were postings that and openings that you looked for. You submitted a resume, you might have seen those kinds of things. The other thing that's so important to educate people on is what's changed out there in terms of what you need to do. LinkedIn, huge. Who would have ever thought that LinkedIn was going to be a big part of what people need to do? So it's about making them aware of the fact that it's not the way it used to be. And please don't expect to get a phone call back from a company when you apply because that's not what happens anymore. It's about networking. So all of those things are so important when you start talking about that and again from for somebody who said no i don't want to do that to realizing what it was going to do for people it made all the yeah. difference in the world for me too yeah so what would you say are the, like the three biggest um 
reasons why you stayed in it for 17 years? Because I got to see people um, achieve things they never thought they could, mm -hmm. both from a self-esteem. I really do have a lot to contribute and give to an organization. We start on that right away. Yeah. Transferable skills, we call them. And to see the light bulb come on in terms of that was very important and fun. And Or to see them get better at networking when this is somebody who said, no, please don't ask me to do that. I yeah. hate it. It's like selling Kirby vacuum cleaners. Right. Um, and then to see career change. So like me, when I could give them the example of, listen, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And to see them start a new company on their own or go into consulting or find that job at the company they that's a totally different company for them, mm -hmm. to see them get that excitement or get more money or be able to do all of that, those are just some of the things that made me keep doing it. Yeah. What, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the emotional roller coaster that uh, the clients go through mm -hmm. and, or the, you know, the employees who have been displaced. Mm -hmm. What, um, like, how did you keep yourself motivated when they're, when you're dealing like with such a large population of people that are, you know, kind of, I'll probably say depressed and angry and Well, sad? I'd be honest with you if I told you that it isn't draining at times, yeah. that would be lying. But... It's such a short piece of the whole process, you know, and our, that was part of my job was to get them out of whatever they were in. And that's not to say you're not going to go in it, back in it, sure. but to get them out as quickly as possible and get them productive as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain amount of venting that goes on, but then I also had to sometimes give tough love where I'm saying, okay, what have you done this week to change that? Yeah. How many contacts have you made? How many yeah. things have you, who are you talking to? Where's your target list of companies? Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So in the going through the process, um, I, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but um, we, the the company that, you know, I, that you worked for that I utilized their services, mm -hmm. like I think it was either Thursdays or Fridays. I don't remember the mm -hmm. day now. There was like a um, big round table and I mm -hmm. forgot what it was called. But for me, I just, I, with my twisted sense of humor, it was like going to day camp. And or so, an AA meeting, that's what I've been told. Well, yeah, I guess it's a little <laughs> bit like that. I, I don't know. I've never been to one. Um, <laughs> that's good, Kim. <laughs> Let's make sure that never happens. <laughs> I'm working hard. Uh, um, but your code name for my family was Camp Counselor. Oh. Let's see, I've also been called parole officer. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny, camp yeah. counselor. And again, it's a lack of understanding because yeah. when I went through career transition and they told me about this team meeting, I said, no, I'm not going. Yeah. I was HR. I facilitated yeah. hundreds of these yeah. meetings. Why would I want to show up for that? Yeah. And again, once you get involved in the meeting, you recognize the benefits of it. Yeah. True? It, yes, absolutely. It was uh, somewhat cathartic. It was also energizing because, you know, you could he hear other people's stories of, like, what went well for them that week. Like, they had a good interview. You find out you're not alone. Right. And... um so, you know, if you just kind of, if I think about the folks that were, uh, some of the people that I remember from mm -hmm. the team meeting from mm -hmm. camp, mm -hmm. uh, okay. <laughs> uh, that, um, you know, they've all done very well mm -hmm. since going on. And I think you have a lot to contribute to that and their success you. because of how you helped us all navigate through that. 
it, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And um, so some of the tools that the company has for people to use is very helpful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, quite frankly, it's some of the tools that I still use today and think about when I talk to people, they're maybe, you know, thinking about just internal, like they want to come in and they want to have a career discussion. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that you've taught are some of the things that I now use to coach for career discussions with the employees that I support. See, and those are the things that made me love my job. Yeah. Is hearing this kind of stuff. That for us to have the relationship that we've had out of it, Kim, how long have we known each other? It's been more probably, than ten years. Yeah, ten plus as so I think about it. Yeah. When I think about the people like that that yeah. I've been able to keep in touch with that I've met. And that was the other important piece of the team was to get people to see that A, it's not as hard to network as you think it yeah. is. If you just start talking to somebody else, just ask a question. You're gonna yeah. that's networking. You're gonna start getting that ball rolling. And so many of the team members are still in touch or yeah. still friends yeah. as a result of being a part of that. Yeah. Networking was the scariest thing. Yes. No and I question. think it is for a lot of people because it's the I think maybe the unknown or the fear of rejection. It's that. It's that we're much better for the most part, especially women, at giving rather than receiving. Mm. And so we don't want to do the ask. We perceive it as being sales when it's really not sales. So there's a lot of things that go with that whole term networking that scare people. So is networking, would you describe it, the people that don't like it, they perceive it as like self-promotion? Yes, that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good at talking about myself. I don't want to sell myself. Um, I don't know who to ask. I don't know who to reach out to. And one of my pieces of advice always was you, some of your best networking contacts are going to be people you haven't met yet. I remember you saying that. And And I still say it because it's so true. And again, I'll go back to our relationship. Look at how much we've been able to connect not only to each other, but other people. So that whole six degrees becomes expanded if you just take the time to get to know somebody and network yeah, with them. Yeah. So I always say network is not selling anything. It's about being curious. Yeah. All well, I have to do is say, Kim, tell me about you. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, that's a good way to put it is networking is about being curious. Yes. Good. What other advice do you have for folks uh, about networking, career transitions. What I usually, when you ask, you're, you ask me what are the advice I give to people, well, I'm going to say networking, networking, networking. Does that count as three? Yeah, <laughs> it sure does. It, um, but also don't limit yourself. Yeah. You, know, you can do anything you want to do next. It's about looking at what are my transferable skills and abilities. Yeah. How do I apply those to where I'm going? Who do I need to talk to to find out more? What do I need to do? And again, all of those things underlying all of those things is networking. Yeah. So we say it in joke, but it's really not. If you can master the art of networking by being curious, yeah. by by knowing in that your next networking contact is going to be somebody you haven't met yet. And so so you can never say, I don't know anybody. Yeah. And LinkedIn is our gift in that regard. It absolutely is. It's it's a phenomenal tool. people to have Mm -hmm. and again if you would have said to me six years ago linkedin is here to stay i would have said absolutely not right it's another social media whatever right 
but the beauty of it is it's professional so social media. So even me, if I can use it, everybody should be using it. <laughs> you know, you say it's meeting that unknown person. You mm -hmm. talk about LinkedIn. And I think about like the request I get on LinkedIn. I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't even know these people. Mm -hmm. And the friend of mine actually that we worked together, she left and went to LinkedIn mm -hmm. to work. Oh. And it was uh, it was really interesting to hear mm -hmm. her stories from inside the company. Yeah, uh, it's a very phenomenal company, I would say. Um, but you have to be of the right personality to be in that environment. Mm -hmm. But the the thing that I was saying to her was. Like, you know, I get all these requests, not all these requests. Mm -hmm. It sounds like I get a lot. <laughs> I well, don't. you are very popular. <laughs> um, you know, I get like the random requests here and there from people that I don't even know. Mm -hmm. And nor do I even think I have a somewhat distant connection to mm -hmm. them in any way. Mm -hmm. And I ask her advice and like, do you accept those? And she's like, yep, I accept everybody that, that you know, asks for a LinkedIn connection. And I'm like, really, why? And she said, because you never know who you're going to know, and who you don't know is who you're meeting through LinkedIn. Or who they're connected to. Right. The first, second, third connections, yeah. all of that. But here's yeah. the other tip I would give, and that is always customize the message. I completely agree. And even if you're doing your homework up front to say, Kim, I see that you're connected to so-and-so at such-and-such. Uh, you come highly recommended as someone that I should be talking yeah. to. I met you at this particular meeting um, all of those things are so important because like you, I'm a little bit more of a screener Yeah, and I'm not going to join someone unless they've taken the time to at least try to customize the message. I completely agree with you because I can't tell you, you know, when you get them like the standard format that it, it's just like somebody's walking through, just click, 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 click. Whereas well, if you even say like, hey, you know, Debbie, I see that you work at such and such company. And I like your company. Uh, I'm following it. Yeah, I'm, something I'm that's curious about be, your company yep. or um, mm -hmm. just even the fact that they mentioned the company name. You know, they've taken one minute to customize that message before mm -hmm. they hit, you know, connect or whatever the word is. Which, by about. the way, if you do it from your phone... It won't let you customize the message. So if you're really? going to be inviting people, always do it from your home computer or your work computer so that you can take the time to customize the message. Now, you know, there's a certain population out there that doesn't do anything I know. Off the, not, that's not on their phone. I know we that. won't mention them. <laughs> millennials. <laughs> so Yes, but tips for millennials. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so I got a curiosity question. Without naming names, worst client that you had and why? Give us a little bit the worst, of juicy. The worst client are the ones who come in and say, I don't know why I'm here. I don't need any of this. Oh, boy. I was one of those. No, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. But, I mean, they're not nice. They just, you know, I'm, I'm not sure why I'm here. I don't need any of this. Uh, I just want to get my resume done. To not... And I understand that there's the emotional piece to it that yeah, we talked sure. about earlier. But to not be open enough to, A, find out that this is costing you nothing. Your company yeah. sponsored you in it because that's how our particular firm worked. Uh, to know that and to not at least embrace when, when I know after all of my years doing it, how yeah. it can change your life. Yeah. That was always the worst. Um, or the ones who would cry and bring their spouse in because they were going to be financially destitute that was very sad in yeah. addition to not the worst from a 
I don't like you point of view, but yeah. certainly from I can't help you with that. Um, so those are some of the worst experiences that yeah. I remember. But but I don't have very many of those, to be honest with you. Most Good. people get it after a while. It's because you have the magic Oh yeah, <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> uh, you're you're very good at your job, at your uh, job, which leads to your former job, which will lead us into. So what are you doing now? <laughs> you said seventeen years, and yes. so that leads us to where are you now? And what are you doing? So I had an opportunity to uh, retire, which I did. I took the opportunity to woo-hoo! do that. Yeah, woo! And but again. Part of the programs that we offered in transition was one of them was called What's Next. And Hmm. it was all about sitting down with people like me who are at that point in life to retire, but we're also the boomer generation who doesn't want to necessarily retire in the same fashion that our parents did. Sure. So part of this program was, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? So what's next? It was kind of like that. And it looked at different domains of life. So it looked at family. It caused you to look at this. Hmm. So you looked at family, social, spiritual, financial, um, volunteer work, and then work. So those six domains, and it may force you to think about how do I want to divvy up my time? Because you don't necessarily want to work full-time anymore, but it's about having meaningful work, meaningful life for this generation. Yep. Well, now I have to do that for myself, Kim. (laughs) And so I'm in the process of figuring it out. And I know that I want to work. So, um, but what that work looks like, I'm I'm actually networking so that I can figure out what do I want to do and what don't I want to do. Yeah. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very grateful to have more family life, more social life, more, you know, because as you know, so it's always more than 40 hours a week, right? Absolutely, yeah. Talk to someone who doesn't, who has a full-time job, who doesn't work more than 40 hours a week, I right? want to meet that people. Yeah. That person, that yeah, one me person. Me too. I want to meet them too, absolutely. So that's what I'm doing is is literally just trying to figure it out. And I have some opportunity to take the coaching because I love that. So it forced me to think about what were the things I enjoyed doing the most. Mm-hmm which is also what we do when we talk to somebody about career transition anyway. Yeah. What did I enjoy doing the most? How do I want to take those skills and use them going forward, but not work full time anymore and yeah. still be have it be meaningful? Sure. However, I did talk to someone at the Pfizer Forum last night about working there. Really? Yes, just for fun. So that would be, yeah. So, so keep all your options open. Yeah. So I, yeah, it, um, as I think about retirement and mm-hmm. I'm a few years away, um, so says my mom, she'd like me to keep working longer. <laughs> I'm trying to work, get because, out sooner rather than later. she wants you to support her in the lifestyle she's accustomed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know about that, but um, no, she just thinks that, you know, I would, I'm retiring too early. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you possibly retire too early? Well, anyway, but you know, that's not that about unusual me. because most of the people that, again, that I worked with, especially men, six months in, they'd come back and say, okay, I need something to do. Yeah. So when my mom retired, um, I remember her talking about this. Like she had seen people who had retired and did exactly that. After six months, you know, mm-hmm. they had a lot of freedom, honeydew projects, mm-hmm. yard, house, whatever. Mm-hmm. But after that, they were like, yeah, okay, I'm bored. I need something. Mm-hmm. So 
the lesson that she took from all that mm-hmm. is when you do retire is have something to transition to. So like she started volunteering right away mm-hmm. and it wasn't like, you know, she, it was 40 hours. It was, I don't know, maybe 10 hours a week or something mm-hmm. like that, a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. but it was enough to kind of keep her, get her up, get her going. Mm-hmm. Um, she wound up getting a part-time job, you know, later on and and um now she's back to just volunteering and it's like a full-time job for her again Mm -hmm. so so she got really involved in the volunteering but she had seen to your point that there has to be a transition you can't go from just working 40 plus hours a week to full-on dead stop retirement of doing nothing Mm -hmm. some people can but here's the thing so much of our identity, because we spend more of our waking hours at work yeah. than we do doing anything else or being with anyone else we want to be with. So much of our identity is associated with that. Yeah. Hence the difficulty in changing careers, because we, we say, yeah. first thing, and you hear this all the time in HR, well, I've always been this. Right. No, that's your title. Who are right. you and yeah. what do you want to do? And so that's the challenge in retirement is to yeah. say, Yes, you still can add value. Where's that going to be? Yeah. And what is that? What does that do for you? For example, I'm not a quilter. God okay. forbid, I never will be. <laughs> and and love the people who do it. Good yeah. for them. But I think it's important to understand how do I want to be spending my time? Right. What do I like doing? Because now you are you do have the luxury of saying this is what I like. Yeah. When you're working, you don't always always have that luxury. Right. So. Yeah. It's important to figure that out. Also, yeah. I think you stay younger if you keep busy. Yeah, There's absolutely. no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. So I happened to talk to your son the other day and ask how you were doing. He was rather surprised that you were going to be on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, I said, you know, like, what, what's your mom doing to keep busy since her retirement? And he's like, oh, my gosh, she's, like, always busy. Like, she's never home. She, You know, he was just, so do you really have time for a, some type of a job? How are you going to squeeze it in with all that your son is saying you're out doing and enjoying? Because, Kim, there's only so much house cleaning you can do. There's no, and it's yard raking time here in Wisconsin, so that'll be something else. But, again, it goes back to, yes, I want to be doing all those things. Yeah. And I'm enjoying working out, to be honest with you. You know, things like that, Good. keeping your health are yeah. very important, right? But it, but it's also, it makes you say, okay, this is all important, but what else? There yeah. should always be a what else. Yeah. yeah. I think for everybody, yeah. uh, there should always be a plan B. I just think that, you know, and again, it's not overextending yourself. It's just knowing what you want to do and doing it. And when you're not busy, what are you doing? Yeah. Great. Anything else to add? Anything else that I should be telling you that you want to know for this podcast? No, I think we've uh, kind of hit everything. And so normally, Debbie, what we do is if Tammy was here, she'd state the obvious. Well, Tammy's not here, as we know. She's <laughs> off uh, rooting for her Cheering basketball for team. The bu- yeah. So I'm going to give it my best attempt to kind of summarize a couple of key points that you made here. Through. Sounds great. And I, and I think regardless if it's, if it's your, you know, it is your career, but I think the points that you made apply to anybody really. Hopefully. And you talked about facilitating uh, a group of people or leading people, and they were kind of basically the same thoughts. And that is, you know, understand the audience or understand the, the people. 
mm-hmm. and what's what are the what do they need? What are the outcomes that they need? Develop the relationships. Uh, you talked about gifts and talents when leading teams. So those are some things to think about. The other thing that you talked about was coaching. And um, and I find this very true. So for coaching, the three things that you said were assessing the situation, reframe the picture, and truth talk. Mm-hmm. And truth talk, I think, is really the key. Mm-hmm. And being good at it. It's not just yes. a matter of saying, I'm going to tell you the truth and this might hurt. That's not what right. we're saying. There's a way to deliver that. It's right. not like... Hey, Debbie, you suck. Right. I mean, that's that's one way to deliver the message, but eh. but that's not what we're talking right. about here. So, yeah. if they want to yeah. know more, they should ask you, Kim. Yep, they can uh, send questions to Cubicle Insanity. And the last point that you made, or you kind of made it throughout, and it was one of the biggest takeaways uh, and lessons learned that I've learned from you, is networking, mm-hmm. networking, networking, networking. Mm-hmm. And you said. Networking is not necessarily about self-promotion. It's about being curious. Yes. Let me restate that. Networking is about being curious. Mm -hmm. Don't be scared. I was. I got through it. You can too. And knowing that your best networking contact is going to be somebody you haven't met yet. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, that's a wrap. And let me uh, just say thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you to our active military and our veterans. And please stay tuned for our next episode of Cubicle Insanity.